welcome to the Next in Line podcast, where we are helping to prepare you for whatever is next in line. I'm your host, Chance Pitt, and I'd like to thank you all for tuning in to this episode. Guys, so as always, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. If you find some value in this episode, if we say some things that you like or make you laugh or make you think about the things going on in your life and how we can help develop them, Please make sure that you're sharing this podcast and sharing these episodes with somebody that's like-minded or somebody that you think can benefit from the information that we are sharing. Uh, As always, again, guys, you can find us at Next In Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Then also, exciting news, we've got some podcasts posted to Spotify as well. You can go on there and leave us a review, check out the podcast, see what you think. That's going to be the number one avenue right now until I get Apple Podcasts set up, which I am working on as well. It just takes a little bit of a waiting period with that. But guys, now that the housekeeping's out of the way, a little bit of a personal update for me. I think I'm working through day 46 of 75 hard. Uh, still fighting a little bit of a calf injury, so I'm doing some walking, uh, weighted walking for my cardio in the afternoons and I am also doing my weightlifting regimen today was upper body day had a really good lift session this morning and drove to college station for work so it's been a it's been a pretty good day rolling into this new year's eve weekend I guess you could say but today what I wanted to talk to you all about is building a culture of success in whatever you're involved in. In most cases, and in the application I'm going to talk about today specifically, it's in a business application, but this is something that you should be trying to do in your family, in whatever organizations that you're involved in outside of work, and definitely in the workplace. You can do this whether you're a leader, or you can do this whether you're just somebody working within a business who wants to just contribute in a positive manner to the culture and the success that the business has going. So with that, the story I'm going to tell y'all today uh, involves my time spent at the heavy equipment dealer that I worked for in Southeast Texas. So I spoke a little bit about that on the intro podcast. If you didn't catch that, make sure you go back, give it a listen, let me know what you think. It'll give you a little bit of an overview into the Next in Line movement and what we're trying to do, and also who I am as a person, and how I got into personal and professional development. Well, As far as my career goes within the equipment industry, in 2019, I believe it was May, I started with this dealership down in Houston. I had just graduated from Texas A&M. I started out as an inside sales rep, and I was very eager to get into the industry, very excited. Uh, It was a good schedule. It was a good-paying job to start out, and especially coming straight out of school. So I worked in that position for a handful of months, learned a lot, became part of a great culture at our Northwest store, which was up in Northwest Houston near Jersey Village. And at that point, I was asked to make a move to help the company to move over to our Channel View location, one of the older stores, uh, probably one of our busiest, but they move through a lot of staff being that the people that are there are typically very experienced and very good at their job. So they have the opportunity to move up. So somebody was moving up and I had the opportunity to go work in Channel View. So I took that opportunity. I went and worked on the counter as an ISR over there as well, and I stayed there for a handful of months also until I was then promoted to an operations supervisor. 
from that position, my job was to fill in for managers, uh, fill in for other inside sales reps whenever they were, they were out, uh, help take care of just the general upkeep, work on special projects from upper, upper management, and keep the, keep the ball rolling in the right direction for the company as a whole. And it was shortly after that the COVID pandemic hit that next year. And things got very weird very quickly. I'm sure a lot of y'all can remember that and relate to it. Big economic crisis. Uh, a lot of people were laid off. Well, part of that layoff, they went to one of the locations down in Freeport and they laid off a manager and an inside sales rep and kind of left the location down there very hectic. And a lot of the people down there on site, the teammates down there did not know what to do. So... That's where I found myself filling in for a manager on a more permanent basis. I was down there for several different months, but within that very first week, I was assigned a task that was very tough. So I was down there, didn't know anybody from Adam, didn't have a grasp as to what was going on just yet. I knew a base of what to do, how to do it, how to perform a manager's job, and what was needed to run the daily operations at a survivable or minimum standard. So I stepped in and started doing that, at which point my mentor and one of my now good friends called me. He was my boss at the time as well. He called me and said, look, there's another round of layoffs coming. I need you to select four more individuals from that team to be laid off by the end of this week. Now, I was 23 years old, and this is my first real uh, management spot where I had a large team under me. At the time, there was around uh, somewhere around 10 people at that location, and I had just been tasked with changing the lives, not for the better, of four other individuals on the team after they had just watched their boss and one of their coworkers be laid off in this first round. Well... I, just like anybody else would in my situation, I immediately thought, how am I going to make this selection? I don't know any of these people. I don't know the standards of which they operate. I'm going to have to start asking some questions. And he said, look, you need to get them to do a task for you. You need to ask them questions and figure out who is the best person, who can follow directions, who can contribute to the team in a positive way. So I did that. And luckily, the decision didn't 100% fall on my shoulders, but I was definitely a big part of that process was selecting the next group that got laid off with COVID. And it was very humbling and it was a very raw and real experience in my first spot into management. But what it also did was it, it created a struggle for trust and a struggle to maintain a good relationship with the team that was down there because you've got to think I'm some 23 year old kid that they don't think knows anything and he comes into this situation and he is essentially an axe that selects four of their team members that they've had a good relationship with worked for for some of them for years and I have just let them go and now on the other side I'm tasked with, instead of being the axe, I'm tasked with being the hammer to help build things back up and repair them back into good standing. Now, the one, I guess, diamond in the rough in this whole situation is that 
with business being a little bit slower because of COVID, it was easier to manage the assets with a smaller amount of employees. We were battling some weird situations, battling some things that we weren't used to. Obviously, with all these COVID restrictions, we went to multi-shifts uh, of personnel, so we didn't have everybody there at the same time in case somebody got sick. We had regular testing. Uh, it was It was a whole big mess. I'm sure everyone that has worked through the COVID times in industry knows exactly what I'm talking about with all these different things that went on. But as we worked together and as we worked through some of these situations, I was able to gain the team's trust. How I did that as a young 23-year-old in industry is I worked very diligently and very intentionally on creating that culture of success and that culture of trust. And it was a culture of mutual success. Everybody wanted everyone else to succeed every single day when we showed up. How I did that starting right off the bat is as a leader or as a teammate even, but especially as a leader, you have to go above and beyond to prove yourself to the teammates that there's no job that is above you and there's no job that is below you. You step up to every single challenge that comes to your way, comes up to the plate for you. And then whenever somebody needs to, in, in our case, we're working with heavy equipment, making it ready. It involves washing, servicing, all those great things. Sometimes you got to dive on the wash rack, even though you're wearing slacks, nice boots, and a collared shirt. You just got to get out there, get dirty and greasy, and show these guys, hey, I'm not afraid to work. I really really care about this team. I care about solving the problems and reaching the goals that we have set for ourselves. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to achieve that. So as a manager, you've got to be willing to put it all out there and lead by example. So you've got to dive in to the process. There's there's another podcast I'm going to do here in the future that I've got planned that one of the big lines in it is Process improvement is only process improvement while it's improving the process. If you're a manager, you need to dive in and get your feet wet. At some point, you're going to have to get your hands dirty, and you're going to be have, have to be part of the solution, not just the planning. So as things progressed through COVID and as we got busier, we quickly figured out that we were shorthanded and we would not be able to hire anybody back in to be able to catch up because financially we hadn't fully recovered from COVID. So that became even more essential, my willingness to dive in, get my hands dirty, and be part of the team. And that goes straight into a point of the reason that you take care of people and the reason that you try to do what's best for your team every single day and build into the culture is not because you have to do that to be able to survive. It's not because you have to do that as a leader. It's your obligation, but it should be because you want to. If you step into a leadership role or you step into a role that deals directly with helping other people, you've got to be able to do what you can for them when you can do it. Sometimes that involves staying late. Sometimes it involves getting there early. It will change your plans a million times. It will frustrate you. It will frustrate your family, your spouse, whoever you had plans with, your friends, and it'll eat some weekends and evenings, but you've got to go above and beyond to make sure that your team and your guys know that whenever they need something or they ask for something, you're going to be able to 
give it to them if that's what needs to be done. Now, discretion needs to be shown in a lot of places there, especially as a manager with the power that you have. But you have to show up every day intentional and make sure that you're trying to make the best decisions for the team overall. Now, there's a million times during that span, it was several months while we were in this rundown old ratty building, all working out of just conditions that were much less than ideal. There was a million times that I didn't want to get there early. I didn't want to stay late. In my position, I technically had the opportunity to leave early so that I would get home at a decent time every day. Because mind you, I lived in Northwest Houston at that time. I was commuting an hour and a half every single day to go down there and work. And then I was getting there early and working late on top of it. Now I'm not asking for a cookie or a reward or anything like that. That's not what I'm after. I'm just telling you, giving you an idea of the dedication that you have to have to contribute to a team like this. So there are many, many times that I wanted to take the easy road out or I wanted to duck out a little bit early or do this and that, but you cannot let yourself do that. You've got to stay disciplined and you've got to make sure that you are contributing to the team however you can. So guys, there are a million and one times as a manager that I failed whenever I was learning I stepped into that role and I made mistakes. I screwed up time. I had to run up to headquarters and pick up checks for guys and go make it right by delivering a check by hand to them at their house. It's it's a role that you're not going to always be able to get it right, but where the culture of success and mutual success comes in is you are trying every day your absolute hardest to get things right so that you take care of your guys. And in return, or guys or girls or whoever, and in return, that team will take care of you in the same exact way. They will start to want to take care of other people. We were part of a bigger network with 13 other dealers just like us, and we were able to pull from inventories as well. So a lot of times, other stores would get a machine from us or we would get a machine from another store. So we had a standard that we upheld that we would not send a machine out that was not something we would send out for ourselves. We didn't want anybody else to run into problems or have hiccups because of something that we did. We wanted our name on it and we wanted it to be done right. So that's kind of a culture that we adopted down there, and it paid into the success across the board, and it actually got some other locations on board with that same attitude, and it saved us probably a lot of heartburn at the end of the day. So one of the biggest tasks that we undertook whenever I was in that position down there and leading into my transition to actually receiving the management promotion from an operations supervisor position down there, I was still technically a an employee of the company as a whole that bounced around not stuck to a specific location but right before my transition right before I received the offer to be a manager we had to undergo a large move remember I said we were in a rundown ratty building with terrible facilities over there I mean there were snakes and there was rats it, it was an amazingly weird situation down there we'd find snakes and rats in the office uh, the ac went out several times it just it wasn't the best situation for anybody involved especially our customers so we bought a location in angleton uh, it was about 20 minutes up the road there was two routes to get there one very common route and then one back road that we uh, moved a lot of the equipment on that i'm about to tell you about 
we facilitated a move of 220 pieces of heavy equipment in two days. I think it was about 16 18-wheelers that we ran back and forth. A huge part of that was being organized and planning, but also having the guys on our team dedicated to the success of what we were trying to do. They had a culture that was super contagious. And what I mean by that is the first day of the move, so we planned the move on a Saturday and a Sunday. And we had drivers that drove two hours down south to come meet us, to help us out with this. And when they got there, they hopped out of the truck and said, we're doing one run, that's all we got time for, and then we're going home because we got to get our time reset for Monday. And I kind of looked at them and I said, why would you have come all this way just to do one run? But I let it go. I said, you know what? That's fine. We appreciate the help that we're getting. And we moved on. We got them loaded up, moved out. And then guess what? I had guys on the other side at the receiving job site, at the empty job site, loading and unloading. We had a team loading there, including myself. We had our inside sales rep. She was running paperwork, making sure everything was organized and all our shipping paperwork was in line for DOT. So we were running and gunning. We were running at maximum efficiency to the point of where I saw those guys and those trucks roll back in. And I was like, wait. I thought y'all guys had some other obligation or y'all had no time to do more runs. And they said, man, this has run so smooth and your guys are operating so fast and they want to get it done so bad that we got to stick around and help out. And they did. They stuck around all day. They didn't come back the second day because they didn't have time. Their other obligation took them. But because of the culture of success that we displayed and the contagiousness of that positivity, we were able to retain drivers who moved no telling how many more pieces of equipment between the two of them, probably 20 or 30 more pieces because they had dovetail trucks that we could stack multiple pieces on. So we set that example and we held the standard to everyone that was there and we acted however we could for people that showed up to help us, however we could in a positive manner so that they knew we weren't messing around and we appreciated what they were doing for us. It was a huge success and it just, the whole event, we got 220 pieces of heavy iron moved in two days, which is insane. That's anything from a 10,000 pound mini excavator all the way up to, I think our biggest unit was an 80 something thousand pound large excavator. Uh, plus a couple off-road trucks and things like that. Just just large construction equipment. If you're not familiar with it, we're talking oversized loads on 18-wheelers. Um, it was a fantastic move, but it would not have been achievable in those two days. It would have bled into the next week and probably the next weekend had we not had that attitude about us and had we not made it easy and contagious for those 16 different truck drivers to come over and jump into the plan and get involved. So then, guys, another thing I want to talk about is once we got moved over there, things were better. We had a better location. Uh, we started to pick up revenue just a little bit, got a little busier, but we ran into another downside at that point. If you think about it, we had cut our staff so hard, and we had guys that were getting stressed out or had personal issues come up. We had a couple more guys leave during COVID because of things that were related across the board, and we dwindled down to a very, very slim team of technicians, inside sales reps, and we were already very shorthanded in the driver front as well. So what we had to do was we all had to get involved and we all had to play our role to the best of our ability. 
And then we had to figure out how we were going to build our team back once we finally got the ability to hire in a couple of employees in a way that was going to be conducive to the successful culture that we wanted to build back there that we already had and we wanted to maintain. So that brings me to my next point of there's a saying that people said, and I heard it a million times whenever we were trying to find people, warm bodies are better than nobodies. And that is dead wrong. Nobodies are better than warm bodies. And what I mean by that and what the expression says is somebody with a warm body is there. They can at least turn wrenches. They can at least get their hands dirty. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. We just need some help to keep production along. Well, no, because you start to destroy the culture that you've worked so hard to build and the culture that you've worked so hard to maintain. And it doesn't make any sense to bring somebody in that's not going to fit into that groove. You've got to build back stronger and you've got to get people into the team that are going to contribute to the overall goal. So that's a huge part of the equation that we dealt with as we started to try to build that team back. Um, and we all had to pick up slack. There was a lot of late nights still. There's a lot of early mornings with our team, not just myself, but across the board. Uh, we had guys in the field and we had guys in the shop that were they were really struggling to keep up. They did a fantastic job and they worked their tails off and they never complained about it one bit. But as a whole, we did struggle during that time, but we all understood and agreed that we needed to have people come in that were going to be present and productive to our overall goal. And that's one thing I want to step back real quick. That should be something you're doing every single day in life, not just at a location where you're working or in your business or whatever, but with your inner circle, with your organization, even with your family. You should have people around you at all times that are productive, that are paying into the things that y'all are trying to achieve. If you don't do that every single time, if you don't do that with every group of people you surround yourself with, you're going to fall into that law of attraction situation where losers attract losers. You're going to lose the culture that you've worked so hard to maintain. And having a culture of success is something that is incredible. It's indescribable how much it will benefit you over the long run if you have people that are willing to grow and want to grow with you. So... Guys, that is, that is one of the biggest things I can say about this whole situation is culture is the biggest and most important factor. It's a make or break factor for companies. And I think across the board, there's a lot of big companies that are losing that their culture of success and they're losing that motivation within their teammates because they're making small decisions that show that they don't necessarily have the best intentions in regards to their workers in mind whenever they make their decisions. And when a team knows that you care about them, when a group of people genuinely know that you want what's best for them and you have their best interest in mind every single day, they can and will move mountains for you. But if that team loses that touch, if they lose that sense of investment, then you're in a very, very tough spot. Same thing with a family, same thing with your organization. That's probably one of the biggest downfalls and that's why leadership and who is in charge and how they act towards their people is just so vitally important. So as we come to a close here, I want to ask you a question. Now take a step back and think about 
your family, think about your organizations you're a part of, think about the friends group that you have, the business that you run, whatever it is that you're doing, especially if you are a leader within that group, what are you doing to ensure that you don't lose your team's commitment? And I'll give you a hint. You don't dare say that you're going to throw them a damn pizza party. Guys, thank y'all for tuning in to this episode of the Next in Line podcast. As always, you can track us down on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Next in Line Development. You can also visit us on the site and check out the things we've got going on. Shoot us an email or a message, nextinlinedevelopment.com. Guys, check us out. Leave us a rating on Spotify. Let us know what we're doing well. Uh, we'll let you know when everything's posted on Apple Podcasts. But guys, always make sure you're prepared for whatever is next in line. <laughs>